I'm a mindset and manifestation coach, but I started off being a first generation American. My brothers were born in Colombia and my mom learned English here on Sesame Street, became an educated, successful American citizen and entrepreneur. Whether you on the outside of your market trying to tap back in, or just need a little help to find a way to gain some traction again. You need some market reconnection. We got the answers to your questions. No second thoughts or second guessing. You need some market reconnection. The real question is this, how does a seven-figure business regain traction in the market? How do we reconnect with our audience? How do we stop worrying about our competitors taking over and find the peace of mind and certainty within the marketplace? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Ivan Temelkov. This is Market Reconnection. What's going on, everybody? Ivan Tumulkov here on Market Reconnection Podcast. And today I am joined by an amazing guest. So I'm looking forward to having an amazing conversation by the name of Michelle Lamont. Michelle, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's Michelle J. Lamont. Michelle J. Lamont. I apologize. I apologize. And the only reason I say that is there's a very famous Harvard professor in England Mm -hmm. And her name is Michelle Lamont. So if you don't throw that J in there, you're going to be sent over to somebody totally different. <laughs> wow, that makes sense. Yeah, we both have a lot of Google hits. So we OK, <laughs> yeah. well, no, that makes complete sense. And I'm glad that you mentioned that. Um, and let's start with uh, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about your background, a little bit about your story. And I'm looking forward to kind of peeling some of those layers from there. Okay, awesome. So my name is Michelle Juanita Lamont, and I'm a mindset and manifestation coach, but I started off being a first-generation American. My brothers were born in Colombia, and my mom learned English here on Sesame Street, became an educated, successful American citizen and entrepreneur, and passed that love on to especially me. I'm the only entrepreneur in my family, and, um, and there we go. So at the age of 10, um, I lived in Dallas, Texas at the time. Um, My mother was diagnosed with undifferentiated lymphomic cancer. And within 90 days of her diagnosis, she was pronounced dead at MD Anderson Hospital. Um, My father uh, is an American. um, And um, so my mother is Colombian and my father's American. And at the time, for whatever reason, um, he drove me three hours away to Waco, Texas and told me to go inside and take a test because I just skipped a grade in the public school system. So I thought it was like, oh, another academic, you're so smart test. Um, But he actually surrendered me to the state of Texas. So I became homeless. And then they became my parents after a proceedings. Um, And I, he kept my brothers and gave me away. And I grew up at the Waco Children's Methodist Home. Um, which is full of violent, uh, angry, pedophilic um, situations where nobody should ever go. Mm -hmm. In fact, I was just watching on Netflix the other day, the David Koresh story called Waco. And in three of the stories, there's only, it's a three-part series and two Uh of them, they feature the orphanage and they talk about how awful it is. And I was like, that's where I lived. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And they talk about the cruelty there from, yeah. from, so 
Anyway, um, I had a determination because of my immigrant mother to really get an education. So um, I was in these classes in school called AP. I don't know if they have those anymore. Um, and so the, one of the one of the parents said, what do you want, Michelle? And I said, I want to go to college. And they they literally brought me these thick books on all these scholarships you can apply for. And, and the mom brought me like 200 envelopes and stamps. And she said, well, you better get writing these letters to get the, this money because there was no internet, right? There wasn't yeah. just button yeah. button. So um, my end of my sophomore year and all of my junior year, I was just sending letters to everybody. I can't remember how many different scholarships. I got one from Big Pen for $12 every semester if I wrote a poem using a Big Pen and mailed it to them. I'd get a $12 check, okay? So I was like, hey, look, that's three dinners for me, all right? That's three yeah. meals. Okay. When you're, I didn't have anybody. I didn't have any family. Uh, all my mom's family lived in a country far, far away. I'm 17. You know, I don't have anybody in the world except all I've known is violence and abuse. Yeah. So, um, I get myself all the way to Arizona state from from Texas and go to college. And my sophomore year, I ended up meeting my husband. We got married very quickly. Um, and it became a, a very, um, unfortunately, very verbally, emotionally, and mentally abusive marriage. Yeah. But during that time, um, my escapism was to be successful. And my drive was to say, well, just because everybody threw me away, doesn't mean that I don't have a lot to offer. And I started my first business, uh, Foxy Paws, which the, actually the Facebook page is still live because in the divorce, mm -hmm. my ex-husband owns that Facebook page and has never taken it down for some reason. Um, so you can actually go and find my store. So I started that business with $250 and a car that went in first, third and reverse. And my sunroof didn't close all the way. So I had to use garbage bags and duct tape. And I would drive like, like my head halfway and would bring clothes to change into uh, for different meetings and at gas stations or McDonald's. But I worked yeah. about three and a half years, um, doing side jobs, bartending, working at Domino's pizza, catering, uh, waiting tables, delivering food. And, um, I eventually got a nice little healthy debt of about 69 to $71,000 by year three. And everybody's like, go get a job with your education. And, you know, don't do, go down this rabbit hole. Like, you know, don't do this, Michelle. Um, and of course my husband wanted me to go get insurance and have all the things, right. I yeah. just, I, you know, I think entrepreneurs are just not cut from the same material as everybody else. And every yeah. time I thought of handcuffing myself to a desk or a job, that I didn't have real passion for. I just thought this is not how I'm supposed to do this. Right. Um, so by year five, Foxy Paws hit its million dollar sales and revenue. And I went from a kiosk to an in-store mall location to multiple locations to 70 employees. Um, and then Al Gore invented the internet. And... <laughs> With the birth yep. of internet and the invention of the internet, all mall businesses pretty much came to a halt. Um, 
And I remember the day that I was next door to Neiman Marcus and the Gap at a very high-end Dallas mall. And the Gap manager, I had a dog bakery and boutique, and I sold dog dresses and dog beds and, and a few mm-hmm. basset hounds. I had 50 different things and basset hounds, whatnot. So I remember the Gap manager coming in and I didn't really know about the internet or what was going on. You know, I was just a kid trying to like make my business grow. And I was, I had, you know, and she comes in and she was like, did you hear about what the mall is doing? And I said, no, she goes, we're not allowed to put the gap.com on our window. They told us they will board up our window if we put our website on there. And in that moment, I knew my business was over. I didn't know why, but I knew that if Gap was having this kind of an issue, I was next and in a big way. So I started closing down those businesses and I didn't really know what I was going to do next. And it was, and I'm sure most people understand who have birthed a successful business, the thought of it dying, the thought of it closing, the thought of it changing, it's like, might as well rip that out of my uterus and say like, oh, you don't get the baby anymore, right? Um, yeah. So I ended up selling my name to a competitor in my market who was a national chain and closing my store down. And at, during, the, during the evolution of the Facebook time and all that, I was able to really expand that business. But the universe was showing me that the next business was right here. And that day that I closed my business, somebody called and asked me, who does my public relations? And they were a pet business. And I said, I did it. And they said, well, can you do it for me? And I literally went to the monster called the internet and I typed in with my fingers, public relation agreement. I didn't know anything else. I printed this contract, drive across town, close my store, drive across town and say, give him an amount. I said $1,500, which should have been about 15,000. And he was like, is that the deposit? At that point, I was like, sure. But I just, I had, (laughs) I was like, I'll take your 1,500 and I'll figure out what I need to know. So my, my literally, I, I, I succeeded with that account. He sold out his event in record time. Um, and Lamont PR was born. And my second client was literally dancing with the stars, Dallas Cowboys edition. And wow. Yep. And what had happened was there was somebody from the Dallas Cowboys that was a constant shopper at my store. And we had friends I told her I was closing and she said, you should do public relations. You're on TV all the time for the Foxy Paws. I was always doing dog segments. Like here's a dog sweater. Here's a dog life jacket. They loved it. Yeah. Here's a young girl yeah. with a story. So it made for great TV. So I was like, really? So she calls this guy who was a huge hall of famer and says, Hey, do you guys have anybody um, who is doing your in-kind PR for the dancing with the stars, Dallas Cowboys? Mm-hmm. He says, no. And then she literally names my company in that moment. Like this is all in a three minute thing. And she says, have you heard of Lamont PR? And she puts it on speaker. And here I'm hearing this hall of world famous hall of famer. And he goes, yeah. Oh, that company. 
And she says, well, they would like to do an in-kind of $220,000. And I'm like, wait, wait, what? I have to pay 220? I don't know. I don't have 220. And I didn't understand what in-kind or honorarium. I didn't understand yeah. those terms. And she was like, and she wants to do your PR. Well, they had the highest number. We agreed on it. And they had the highest number of media um, interviews and raised 10 times the amount they had ever raised before. Wow. And when you walked into this event with Tony Romo, Troy Aikman, Ma- Michael Irvin, Mike Madonna, every athlete that is in Dallas participates in this from every category and every anchor. And I walk in this door and Lamont PR is everywhere. I was like, wow. is this dancing with the stars event or is this a Lamont PR launch? So the universe was always teaching me that if I was stepping into fear and stepping Mm -hmm. away from insecurity and doubt and really taking those big risks, because at this point, what did I have to lose? Right. Um, And that's kind of how I've always been as an entrepreneur. I'm just going to roll the dice and see what happens. Um, And it's been very effective. And the universe was taking me on that journey. So I did the PR game for about... um, 10 and a half years, grew it to a very huge, successful agency and was having extreme finance, extreme personal difficulties in my home with my, my husband, unfortunately, um, was not very happy that he worked for me. He couldn't do anything on his own and would then turn his internal rage on himself on me. And I endured a lot of suffering during that time. And in 2016, I just decided I can't do this anymore. And I divorced him. He's happy. He's remarried. He's living a beautiful life. And I only wish the best for him. I've forgiven everybody that has ever abused me, hurt me. Um, whatever you've done, doesn't matter. I've forgiven you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, was that, That's, the that is a lot. That is a lot. Um, and I actually want to peel back some of that because there's a lot of different parts of your journey leading up thus far that I want to get your take on because very much like what you mentioned, I think us entrepreneurs are are very different. You know, um, I'm actually Eastern European, was born in Bulgaria. So uh, there's a lot of relation to a lot of the things that you talked about. And in fact, in part, I think it was 11 years ago, there was an article in Inc. Magazine that said that you know, over 40% of the Fortune 500 companies in the United States were built by immigrants or children of immigrants. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Google being one of them, IBM list goes on and on and on of all these Fortune companies. But I want to go back to so the, the humble beginnings where you were talking about how you were being raised, family, all of that. You know, if you were to think back on your journey as you were going through all of these experiences, did you ever kind of stop and think to yourself, hey, uh, I want to start a business one day? How did you arrive to actually, like the Foxy Paws, the business, how did you arrive to that? Like, was there sort of a pivotal point in your life where you were thinking about, you know, I want to make more money or was it something specific that you can recall? Yes, absolutely. Um well, I had lived in Mexico for a year and I'd mm-hmm. worked in sales and because um, I'm bilingual and I can read, write and translate in both languages. Yeah. So 
I lived there with my husband and my two dogs and we, I had made so much money because he wasn't employable, but I was that mm-hmm. we just had this nice little nest egg. So we decided that we were going to go to Europe for eight weeks and leave the dogs with his sister. And unfortunately on the first day of the trip, she did the one thing I asked her not to do. And my dog was hit and killed behind her house. Um, so I had to cut that trip short, come home. And, um, I was all set to work at a very appropriate job from the recruiter. And, um, when I got back from Europe, cause it was like my last little freedom trip, right. Um, before you buy the house and you, you know, decide to plant a couple of children or trees or dogs or whatever you do. And, um, I had a a very intense dream that my dog was opening a dog bakery and I didn't tell my husband and I go down to the city of Dallas and I was like, can dogs and people eat together? Yeah. No. So I set out on this journey to, um, take, do what this dream told me to do. Um, and I started this business called Nixon's top dog bakery and boutique. And I was selling wholesale. I even got, I, I got so big. I got Petco whole foods, everything. Oh, wow. But when the accountant came in and said, I was like, well, if Petco is buying $50,000 pallets, why am I still broke? Why do I, why can't I pay this debt off? What's going on? And he said, you would have to manufacture it. And that would be a $275,000 investment in equipment. And you're just not set up to compete with, you know, um, dog food companies. And it, and it wasn't, yeah. wasn't commonplace yeah. for people to buy dog snacks, gourmet dog snacks at the time. Um, so I got this idea to just make a, a turn it in the front of my bakery into retail because Honestly, there was this uh, gay guy that came Mm -hmm. to my bakery. He had the car I wanted, which I drive now. Well, it's my third BMW, but the BMW that I wanted. Um, He had these two Weimariners and he seemed very successful in business. So he was always so nice. He drove all the way down to the bakery, which was about 20 minutes outside of Dallas. And I said, you know, I really want to drive a car like yours. He goes, oh, you should. BMWs are the best. He's like, it's Bavarian mm-hmm. Motorworks. And I was like, Bavarian Motorworks. Ooh, that's what I want. Because I, like I said, I drove a hoopty, right? And a bus. <laughs> okay. Um, and so he said to me, he said, you know, there's this mall that's opening up um, mm-hmm. neighborhood and it's all million dollar houses. And do you know what people who have million dollar houses have? And I said, mortgages? He said, no, docks. And I said, oh, he goes, you should go and open a kiosk and I'm going to help you. So he came down the next weekend. He came up with a little business plan, showed me how to do it. Yeah. And um, he was my little angel. And we went to the mall together, <clears throat> him and I and his husband. And um, I saw all these people with shopping bags and I went into the mall office and uh, it took some negotiating because they wanted a lot of money. And all I had was like 475 extra dollars. And this guy and I went in there and I told him my story and he went home and I took the bus back up there three or four times and convinced the mall manager to give me a shot. 
And he finally did it on the, he was like, you are so persistent. I go, I don't lose brother. I don't lose. I either walk away or I win. And I opened up my kiosk. um, And the very first weekend I did in three days, what I did in wholesale an entire month. Oh, wow. So I went from the kiosk after a year to an inline store at in Plano, which is a very upscale neighborhood. I think it's 75093 is the top five most expensive neighborhoods in the United States. Yeah. And that's how I started that business. But I started my first business when I was eight. Um, and I made, you know, a couple of hundred bucks off of that. So it instilled into me that, you know, you can really create your own business and be successful and have whatever kind of life you want. But in between all of the situations that happened along the way, I was so anchored in that I had to be a workaholic and I had to, you know, I used to do speeches to help women get loans and business as a business leader and for minority women. And then I would, I would start my speech with, if you don't eat, sleep, sweat, and boink about your business. Okay. Then get the F out of this room. Because yeah. I was like, if you're not that dedicated to winning, you're you're in the wrong place, and I'm the wrong person to help you. Um, yep. To creating my um, very successful Lamont PR um, media empire, and um, working with NBC Uni, Uni, um, working with Travel Channel, working with national um, clients. But like I said, I was having so much emotional heartache at home that I had to divorce my husband. And in that process, it was just too much for my brain to process at that time. So um, I attempted to unalive myself. And when I woke up, I thought I have to have a brain tumor. There's something wrong with me. Like, why would I have made it through all of this to not to, to want to do this now? I went and got my brain scanned, no tumor. Um, So I started going to, uh, I decided to figure out what was wrong with my brain. And I went back to school and found out that we have a little thing behind our ear called an amygdala. Do you know what that is? No. So the amygdala, it is the automatic response system. It's this little bitty, tiny little bitty thing. And it's on both sides of your brain, right behind your ear. And it triggers your fight, flight, fear, fornicate. There's seven F's that it triggers. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that it does is it automatically tells you, you should be scared. You should be protected. You should be worried. And the only cure for the amygdala is to meditate. And for an ADHD dyslexic person who had all this rage to sit down in a room and be quiet, well, that was an impossibility for me. Um, but I did it and then um, kind of just started studying spirituality, studying the mind, understanding the actual mathematical equation of everything that you're processing at all times. And are you in a energetic and vibrational universe or are you in a 3D dimensional universe where? It's all cause and effect. And as Albert Einstein says, when you match the vibration and frequency 
it, it is absolutely has to appear. This is physics. And we don't really get taught about the vibrational universe. We get taught how to be a worker. Nothing in our United States education system teaches you to be an entrepreneur because they need so many people to be indoctrinated into a square peg that you can fit into this business or you can fit into this business or security of a pension or security of this to their ability to make massive money and you be a component like a computer or a robot or even a trash can in the office. Yeah. No, I appreciate you sharing about the, I actually made a note of this. Uh, You said the amygdala, is that right? Amygdala, A-M-Y. Yeah. Amygdala. Okay. That, that was really key right there. And it was a key takeaway actually from this episode that I wanted to document, but I'm actually, I wanted to ask you since we're talking about the business side of it, Lamont PR and all of that, I noticed, um, on your bio, you had, you had mentioned that, uh, you went from this failed suicide attempt that you mm-hmm. talked about to being able to manifest interviews with the likes of Oprah and Kim Kardashian and Cindy Crawford. And I wanted to bring that up because let's face it uh, without going too much down rabbit hole, but you were so right about being indoctrinated into the system and being taught to operate within the metrics, not how to steer the matrix. Uh, sort of speak, but I, and I'm sure listeners are actually curious to know because these are household names, right? Oprah, Kim Kardashian, and Cindy Crawford. Yeah, the cover of Time last year, they had the five most powerful women on the planet and two of them, one was Cindy Crawford and one was Oprah. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with you. And I'm actually curious, how, how did that all come about? Can you share a little bit about those stories? Yeah. So I, you know, was really into, and I also manifested a TEDx speech and there was 3000 people applying without even applying. Okay. Yeah. Like the universe, when you're, when you understand the, the the vibrational essence of the universe, Mm -hmm. everything completely changes. And as a lifelong entrepreneur who saw her mom eight months pregnant, laying tile, I was a hundred percent convinced it was my hustle and my flow that would make it happen. But once I understood yeah. this, I've never made more money. I live in a million dollar home on the water. There's dolphins all day in my backyard. Um, wow. I, I work like 20 hours a week. I make insane money um, because I'm a vibrational match to that abundance. So the Oprah situation was I had an intern when I had the PR agency And she ended up starting her own agency. And like it or not, if you're a black female, it's a lot more difficult for you to get clients in a red state like Texas, especially in Dallas, Texas. So this young lady was also a single mother. Her husband had died serving our country and she was African-American, black. And she had called me at the very last minute and said, Michelle, I have a huge favor can you please drive 45 minutes at night in the rain? I'm like, hell no. I'm about to have a glass of Cabernet and watch my housewives, you know? And she was like, I'm Michelle, I need you to check the media desk. I need you to help me. My person didn't show up. I, I don't yeah. know what to do. I can't train somebody. We need you on the desk. 
on the desk means makeup, spanks, heels, hair. All right. I'm like, I'm not putting on makeup. I'm not even wearing makeup here. I, you know, I'm not putting on makeup. I have lip gloss, right? Chapstick. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not putting on makeup, strapping myself into a black, you know, staple dress, pulling my hair up in a bun, making sure I'm spending the whole time driving in the rain, putting on makeup. So I go, look, I'm coming, but I'm coming exactly how I am in an ill-fitted black dress with flats. And as soon as everybody's checked in, I'm leaving, I'm putting my hair in a bun, you know, she's like, okay, thank you. Thank you. Well, I drive the 45 minutes. And when I get there, I had had a book that I had written down the the 19 things I wanted to manifest. And number three was a one-on-one with Oprah because I had heard that Oprah was coming to Dallas. Now I have paid close to about $1,500 at that point to hear Oprah speak front row tickets, VIP passes. I wanted her to sweat on me. I was like, give me some of your Oprah juice. I want to be the queen. (laughs) I couldn't even get six feet next to her. Like no matter how much money I paid, I couldn't get next to Oprah. Yeah. So when I heard she was coming, I was like, oh, I'm going to call every PR person I've ever helped and call in every chance I can to get this because it was a closed red carpet. There was no opportunity to get a single pass. Like even the TV stations would get 50. They got three. It was like a camera, a reporter and your producer. That's it. Nobody was getting on this carpet. So I drive for 45 minutes and I go and I, and I get in and she goes, Michelle, what are you doing here? I'm like, am I in the twilight zone? Did we not have a conversation? I go, what do you mean? And she was like, you know, the other chick showed up. I left you three voicemails. I opened my phone. It says no missed calls. Go to my voicemail. It's right there, her voicemail. So you can see the universe was like, we're going to get you there. We're going to get you there. And what did they do? Use my big old heart because I knew she was a single mom. I knew the situation. I'm driving here in the middle of the night in the rain. I'm like, oh, I'm such a nice person. I hate myself right now, you know, kind of energy. And so she goes, well, why don't you walk around the room? And if you stay for the group photo, um, I can give you a, a free weekend at this hotel. It was a, ho- a new hotel launch. And I'm like, okay. She's like, go eat. Well, I'm a vegan. And it was all like barbecue and ribs, Texas. All right. Yeah. So there's nothing to eat all the way on the other side of the room. There's this woman sitting in a chair, clacking away on her Blackberry. And all of a sudden, now, you know, I'm meditating every single day. I've gone, this is my third year of really trying to, I've got, I've got this degree. I've got these really strong energetic practices and I'm listening to my meditation. And what you have to remember that if prayer is you talking to a higher divinity source, your intuition is that source talking back to you. Yeah. You're not crazy. You're just not listening. And so you start rejecting it you know, oh no, I'm a loser. Like no one's going to buy this. This isn't going to happen, whatever you want to believe. But instead now I'm on this vibrational universe and I'm like, all right, I'll go. If the universe is asking me to go, there must be another reason. And then she was like, you know, just wait and you can get the free weekend. So I thought, oh, the girls would love that. My nieces, let me give them, we'll have a little slumber party. It's a nice hotel. We'll do the spa. It'll be cute. So I wait around and I see this woman all by herself on the other end of the room, just packing away in her Blackberry. And I heard in my voice, go talk to her. And I did not want to do this. And it said it again. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm looking around. 
like, where else could I sit? There was nowhere to sit. So I walk over to the other side of the room and, and I sit next to her and I said, I know this is going to sound extremely strange, but, and I, it was the first time I'd said it out loud. I'm a mindset and manifestation coach. And I think the universe brought me here to help you. And she looked at me like I was a full on alien and my face was melting. She was like pulling away. She's like, what did you say? What did you say? She's angry. Right. And then I heard like, keep going. So I said, um, I, I didn't tell her I was a publicist. I just said, you know, I think that the universe wants me to help you. I think there's something going on in your life that you can't solve. Um, I don't know what it is, but I know that I was sent here to help somebody and I believe it's you. So I explained to her my program. I said, I'm going to do it for free that I need case studies. Yeah. So she nods her head, gives me her phone numbers. I'm sure she's probably like, let me just appease the crazy Colombian. And, you know, here's, and I'll never talk to her again. Well, at that moment, a producer from ABC that I was very good friends with walked by and she goes, Michelle, what are you doing here? And I said, I don't really know. I think I'm here to help her. And this person was also a publicist and knew exactly who that person was. And she stands and she goes, do you know her? She's like, girl, this woman has helped me get so many things. Do you know about manifesting? And so now this person, Kayla Tucker Adams, uh, Dallas PR, if you need Dallas PR, hire Kayla Tucker Adams. She's an awesome publicist. So Kayla Tucker Adams, the producer, Shannon and I all get in, we get our free little baggie. We take our group picture, we get in the elevator and we all decide to leave. So we're down at the bottom of the lobby and the elevator opens. And I say to the three late to the three of us, I said, sisters, let's hold hands and say one really beautiful thing that's happened in our life. So we drive home in the highest frequency possible. So Shannon says, my daughter rolled over on her side all by herself. She just adopted this beautiful girl. She's like, she rolled over. And we're all like, oh. And then I said, um, you know, something about my dog or, you know, something like that. Cause I don't have children. So I was like, I ha- I've, I've been pregnant five times, just no children. And so I've had five miscarriages. And so I t- said some little anecdote about my dog and everybody said, oh, and Kayla turns to the right and then she turns to the left and she goes y'all can't tell anybody and we're like what and I thought for sure it was going to be like an athlete in trouble and she got this big deal with one of the you know and she goes I just got the contract literally 30 minutes ago I'm officially representing Oprah Winfrey when she comes to Dallas Oh, wow. There are, at that point, there are 7.2 million people in the city of Dallas. I never had heard or known or knew of Kayla. Mm -hmm. And this girl, my intern, was my intern four years ago. So you start to lean in and trust the universe and trust the vibrations and trust the intuitive guides you can turn anything into a million dollar idea. You can move the mountains with just your thoughts. See, here's the truth of it. You, the people who find magic are the ones who are looking for it. So if you're seeking the mountain, you're going to find the mountain. 
But if you're seeking the magic, the magic in you will make that magic. And it will be the most unbelievable way to manifest things into your business, into your clients, into your reality. My very first class, I started my podcast in 2020, Manifesting Miracles. And in December, I created my six-week class for January. I I didn't know what I was doing. I never did anything like that. Sold it out the first day I listed it. Congratulations. That is, you know, we're talking about manifestation and um, this is still a new thing to me, even though, and it's new in the sense because there's a lot of similarities that you talked about from a family background, because I mean, nobody has ever done what I'm doing, like in my family ever. I'm the first. Yeah. To um things like you know my father is an entrepreneur and he has a successful business but manifestation and meditation and um you know all these things are not a part of the day-to-day yes sorry about that that was actually perfect timing because um as part of this crazy training workout thing that i'm doing so i'm uh, so i'm training for a half iron man which is okay the first of insane probably triathlons i will ever do so i have to drink over a gallon of water per day and let's face it that i haven't you know well first of all drinking water in itself is has been a brand new thing for me because oh growing up as an eastern european i mean i ate everything i wanted i drank everything i wanted i didn't really have to worry about my metabolism until probably my early 30s and then I kind of woke up one day. And I was like, well, fuck, you know, I better watch what I'm eating now because literally I drink two Cokes and then I, you know, I get a belly and it's like, all right, that ain't going to work. So, um, so it was good timing, but let's pick up where we left off, where you were talking about, you know, where you were going with the manifestation, you were talking about how the universe was coming together. And I'm glad that we're talking about manifestation because, you know, you are proof, like you just said a couple minutes ago, you know, I live in a house where there's dolphins behind me, you know, and most people are like, wait, you got dolphins out Literally. behind your house? I like, will take this cam- I will take this laptop and take it outside and we will see dolphins right now. That's do it. Do it. Do it. <laughs> let's right. do it. Let's do it. I, this is something we don't see on. Now, that, now watch, they won't yes. be there, but you'll see the house and you'll get yeah, there. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Now the dogs are going to get past. They're like, why are we going outside, mommy? Okay. <laughs> so here we are. Let's go for it. I mean, this is this is the million dollar view. I mean, yep. here we go. Let's see it. All right. Oh, my gosh. See, that that's a gorgeous view right there. See, this is what people don't see. This is why exactly I wanted you uh, to show it, because people don't. First of all, most people don't believe that they can manifest, you know, I mean, you have a beautiful house on the, on the water, exotic location. What is it? Probably 70, 80 degrees. Yep. 72, 72 degrees. Here I am in the Midwest. It's I think 45 degrees outside. <laughs> that, that 200,000. That house is 1.8 million. That one's one, two, that one's one, six. This one's one. Okay. Well, I appreciate you sharing that because this is what, you know, I mean, this is as real as it gets, right? I mean, as real as it gets because um, 
most people don't believe in manifestation. You know, most people don't believe, like we were talking about earlier, that I think as part of the American education system, we're all taught to be workers. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm proof of it because I dropped out of college. I barely graduated high school, you know, and there's a huge backstory to that. But I'm glad they and that's why I wanted you to share that view so people can see that you can manifest the life that you desire if you have the will to do it. Because most people think that, well, I'm not smart enough. I'm not good looking enough. I don't have enough money. I'm not talented enough. I'm not athletic enough. You know, like all these excuses. And it's actually really rejuvenating that we're talking about manifestation because I just like, probably many other people are on a path of my own trying to figure out how do I manifest this life that I've aspired? Like, how do I, I know I can be in the best shape of my life. For instance, believe it or not, that just this past weekend, uh, I ended up running on the treadmill for 22 minutes straight at 3.8 miles. I'm 43 years old and I've never in my entire life ever done anything like this. You know, I've cycled 50, 60 miles without stopping. And I've been a cyclist for 13 for 13 years. So it's just like when you were sharing about your story, how you, you know, in your story manifested an interview with Oprah and Kim Kardashian and Cindy Crawford, not to mention you manifested the life that you have right now, regardless of the setbacks that you have. Like you even mentioned, you know, I've been pregnant five times, but you didn't you know, the miscarriage, like your family and, and, and the emotional abuse and all of that, like none of that held you back from pursuing what you always aspired to accomplish. And I think that's really important because, you know, uh, especially entrepreneurs, most entrepreneurs quit in the first four years, Absolutely. They give up, they go get a job because shit gets hard, you know, yep. like I know. Cool. What's that? Shit gets real. Mortgage payments are due. Um, children, yep. soccer bags, tennis shoes, parents, trips, teachers, vacations, Christmas. So yep. you get you get anchored into fear. Yeah. And because we're a vibrational universe, so many of the entrepreneurs that I work with, because I have such a strong entrepreneurial background, when people listen to my podcast, they're hearing all these stories of you know, how this client did this and this client did that. The one thing that everybody doesn't get that if I could just wave the Michelle wand and say, you get a million dollars and you get a million dollars and you get a million dollars, is that you're, ha- you're re- recreating and living in a vibrational universe where you saw somebody or somebody taught you or somebody told you of your worthlessness. And you anchored that in and said, yeah, I'm too black. I'm too brown. I'm too round. I'm too short. I'm too ugly. I don't have the right last name. I don't have the right history. I don't have the connections. I cannot do it. And in that moment, the universe doesn't judge whether this is good or bad. The universe is just responding to your vibration. So the more that you complain that nobody's buying your tickets and nobody's buying your events, you're now excited because you've agreed that you're a failure. So your vibration is now emanating that. So the universe is like, here's more people who are going to cancel. Let's see how happy they get because they always talk about it. And you're like, why aren't you helping me? Ah." 
And the universe is like, what do you mean? All you talk about is your failure. And all you're anchored into is your history. And I would challenge you to write a letter to that version of you where nobody showed up for you and show up for that version of you. And if you can't remember it enough, like I was 10, all right? That's a very tender age to become homeless and familyless and be start yeah. being abused, right? So what I did was I found a photo of me right around that time. And I looked up all the songs that were popular during that era. And I sat down with my spiral and I looked at that version of Michelle, Michelita Juanita Lamont. And I looked at Michelita and I was listening to that music. And finally, I felt that, that vibration of her. And I wrote that letter to her telling her to be strong, telling her that it would get better, explaining to her that she did nothing wrong. And that, yeah. you know, being an immigrant and not having a family and not having anybody care if you eat or die or whatever is only a small part of your story, baby. And I just wrote it to her like I was her best friend. And then I folded the paper away because you want to remove things by folding them away. And I set it on fire. And I say, I transmute this energy. And it was something about showing up for that version of me yeah. when, when nobody would or nobody could that really allowed me to start forgiving then the first person who beat me, the first person who assault, sexually assaulted me, the first person, you know, whoever, then during my marriage, then the babies and my father, mm -hmm. and all of that kind of stuff. Because it started something in me and I bet in everybody who's listening, somebody told them, well, I'm not buying that for you. It's too expensive. You can't do that. You need job security. And because they were never taught and they didn't see it in other people, like they didn't, maybe they didn't have an immigrant parents. Immigrants are very different than Americans because in their country, these types of opportunities are just not paid, are possible between paying people off for licenses to get this kind of business or that kind of business. It's all payola and who you know and in other countries. And, you know, the American dream is the American dream. I mean, it's obviously becoming very disenfranchised now with the different policies and way that America is going. But at the same time, there has never been more chances for people to have digital businesses and online companies. I have a client that was a foot model, not the kind that fancy shoes. Her business was only fans or fans. Oh, only, okay? okay. Where it was sexual foot photos in a way, right? Yeah. And she, during the pandemic, couldn't go to work, okay? And then when they called her back in, they called her way too early and she had children who were sick and she couldn't expose those children to what somebody at the office, so she had a daughter on a respirator and she had a son who had an autoimmune disease. Yeah. She started taking pictures of her feet on fans only or only fans. I forgot what it's called. Only fans. Yeah. Only fans. And she made so much money of her stupid freaking feet. She created a digital course, how to sell your feet on wow. fans she has not worked a traditional job. And for, for this new year, she signed up for one of my live classes and she's like, I love Michelle. 
I listened to the podcast. It's changed my life. I had to take the digital class. And two of the girls bought the foot course in my course from her. And she was like, wow. I make so much money teaching people how to do what I did. So this is to say like five years ago, nobody would have said, oh, you're a foot model, right? So whatever's going to come next is waiting for you to be that person to create it. You know, um, I want to touch upon what you just talked about because it's so ironic because I did a story on my Instagram this morning um, that was kind of inspired by by something that Andy Frazella mentioned recently, someone that I followed for just because I'm in St. Louis. He's a household name here. First form is 30 minutes from my house and I buy their supplements, obviously. So um, but something that I was reminded of that I've probably struggled for a vast majority of my life because for one, I was bullied out through high school. You know, I was the kid with the glasses, long hair. Mind you, I was I spoke four languages. Eastern yeah. European, yeah. you know, I was actually the most athletic in my class. I was the smartest, like book smart and right. I let all that shit go away. But I talked about this this morning, what you were just saying, actually, that the reality of things is nobody gives a fuck. Yep. Okay. Nobody gives a fuck. Um, and nobody probably ever will give a fuck. The only nope. time people will actually give a fuck is, and I'm noticing this as part of my journey. And that's why I was, I'm talking about it is only if it benefits them in some way. If it only benefits them in some way. So prime example, here you are, very successful. You live in a multi-million dollar home. You've built these businesses, you know, but that wasn't always the case, right? So now the crowd of people around Michelle are, oh, hey, Michelle, how about this? Or how about that? Or what about, did you see me when nobody else fucking saw me? Like, because literally nobody remembers that, right? They only see you when you accomplish a status. It's That's always society weird when, somebody says, when somebody says like, well, you're rich. I'm like, what? No, I still think of myself as like the Domino's employee <laughs> and the delivering Instacart kind of vibes of my time. It's it's funny. So it's actually very ironic. You just said that, too, because I think personally, this is my personal thought. I think the the most prominent entrepreneurs are the most humble. They're the most real and they never really get phased at money because whether you have $5 in your pocket or $50 million to you, it's just a monetary exchange for value. That's it. That's all it is because, and this is just speaking from personal experience, but you actually attest to that, which I'm very excited because it goes to show that, you know, you've done all these things. You've been successful in business. You, you, you've built prominent entities, but you're still, like you said, you look at it yourself as that Domino's employee. Mm -hmm. You look at yourself in a very humble way. And I'm a huge fan for people who have that kind of humble mindset, because whether, you know, it, let's say tomorrow, you know, you strike your next business, you'll still keep doing what you're doing today, because that's what you that's what you love doing. Right. That's that's which actually brings me to another question that I actually want to ask you. Um you know, you've done all these different things, you know, business, your your personal journey, now being a coach also, working with a variety of people, but what keeps you going? You know, since I started the podcast, I've had in two years and three months or five months, 17 letters of people 
who were going to kill themselves and they found manifesting miracles and it, they started listening and decided to not die. Yeah. I, I, yesterday I, I purposely go to like local restaurants, not chain restaurants. And there was this young lady working and she was five months pregnant. And, um, I just casually, you know, just said, so what's going on with you? She's like, yeah, I'm trying to get back to school. Um, I was going to be married and my, my boyfriend was hit and killed by a drunk driver. Um, it was too late to not be a mom. So now I dropped out of school. Both my parents are dead. He doesn't have any family and I have this baby that's coming. So I'm waiting tables and I'm taking night school. So I said, well, that's very commendable. I'd love for you to uh, take one of my courses. And I gave her the code to take all my digital courses for free. And she just started freaking out. She started crying. She's like, I love manifesting. I want to learn how to do this. And my, my total bill, including the little salad to go was $29. And I tipped her 300. Now, in order for you to be a vibrational match to wealth, you have to spread the energy around. And you can't think that I just did something amazing. What you have to think is energetically, she needed a solution and I was that. So when I need a solution, the universe is going to send me the top tier client, the top tier opportunity, the top tier whatever, because I give freely and I don't think of money as something to hoard. I think it's something to spread around and to give people and to be generous with. Because if it's just about money, I could go literally back to PR and within six months be making $250,000 a year again, instantly, instantly. I already know the contracts, right? I already know. I've already been offered that and more to come and work for corporations because I'm just so dogged in my pursuit of winning. And so money to me, it really is just a, another energy. And I don't give, people put money on a pedestal. They worship money. They idolize money. They revolve their whole life around it. But it's simply a tool like oxygen and water. And when you start to separate the importance of money and you start to really connect to what you're doing, the universe is going to open every door and unlock every key and make it as interesting and as wonderful as you'll allow the magic of you to be. Now in that girls, now I did it and I kept the paper folded till I have everything going. And then I walk out the door and leave it at the register. And I said, could you give this to the attendant? And then my credit card company was like, Hey, you left a this much amount tip this morning, you know, this morning, like this was a mistake. I said, no, yeah. it's correct. It was legit. It's legit. Why? I would have <clears throat> died when I was a waitress. If somebody left me a hundred percent tip, but a thousand yeah. percent tip. No, I've never experienced anything like that. And for her, it might just be she could take a couple of days off and rest her feet. Maybe she could yeah. fix something with her car. Maybe she could pay for a prenatal class. I don't know, but it didn't matter. I'm not there to solve your problems, but I'm here to help you believe and have faith that what's coming is way better than everything you're leaving. And yeah. if you walk into that vibration, Everything will keep you going. 
people not committing suicide, people changing their life, making somebody feel like their prayers were answered over 300 stupid dollars. And so, no. go ahead. Well, one thing that, that you were just talking about that I wanted to touch upon, I think, you know, with the state of the economy, a lot of people are faced by financial challenges, you know, um, and I think I, I know personally going through the ups and downs, the typical entrepreneurial stuff and definitely have met, have made leaps and bounds in that aspect. But I do know, you know, six years ago, I was bankrupt. Literally, I, I just put together five hundred dollars that I didn't even have to walk into an attorney to file for a chapter 13, which later I found out was really just a repayment plan. Yeah. And it just gets stuck on your fucking credit. And then <laughs> which they tell you will stay there for seven years, but you can get it removed sooner than that. But the point I'm trying to make is just that what you're talking about is very powerful for reason the vibration, the manifestation, yet so many people get encapsulated by the minutia of day-to-day -day life and think that, well, without money, I can't do anything. They see money as the ultimate limitation for their own capabilities. And here's a prime example that I think recently I've really kind of stepped into personally. So with my fitness journey right now, you know, training for this half Ironman, it's pretty intense. You know, I've never, ever done anything like this. And just over the last probably the last two months have been really difficult business, family stuff. You know, I got two kids. I have a wife, uh, you know, head of household. You get it. Yeah. You know, bills are do all that good shit. Right. And so. But with my fitness journey, what I found out is that, you know, the more I push myself, especially in the days where I don't want to go to the gym. You know, right. there's no point to going to the gym. Why should I go to the gym? I can skip today. I can make up tomorrow. And the next thing I find out is, well, you know what? Tomorrow comes. I'm not going to do it again. And I'm not going to do it again. And it just becomes a chain effect. It becomes an enigma eventually. Now, when I push myself, what I found is that mentally I'm capable of being able to manifest more and think more in a positive state and really stay attached to my purpose. What is it that I want to accomplish? What is the ultimate goal? What, why am I doing what I'm doing? You know, I love what I'm doing. I love the marketing, the digital stuff. I've done that for over two decades. I'm passionate about it because I want to help people. That's really why I'm in it. That's really why I'm in it. But let's face it. We live in a world where I know at least personally you get bogged down with, well, this and that and money and bills and that. It's like that you forget it's like, wait, 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 hold on a second. This is all noise. Right. This is all noise. And so when you were talking about the waitress that you tipped her $300, you know, it, it was a, a, a good faith. It was a good gesture to help. And like you said, you attract more of that, the more you do good in the world. When, let's face it, a lot of people are so, like you said, they praise money, they idolize money because the saddening part is, uh, I think Bradley was even talking about it recently. Most Americans would actually take a million dollars over waking up tomorrow. That's the that's the saddening world that we live in. And they don't realize that, wait, hold on a second. How in the fuck are you going to spend a million dollars if you don't even wake up tomorrow? You're going to be dead. How is that money going to get spent if you're dead? But people are so encapsulated into the materialistic bullshit of what's right. happening in the society that they're forgetting about what did I set out to do? 
What is my real mission? What is my goal? Do I even have a goal? Or do I just want to make a pile of money and then say, all right, I made a pile of money, paid my bills. Now what? Well, ask, there was a recent study, 87% of lottery winners were worse off five years after winning the lottery. Why? They were only a vibrational match to one idea, win the lottery. And they said it over and over and over again until they became a vibrational match to it. They weren't a vibrational match to wealth. They weren't a vibrational match to financial freedom. They weren't a vibrational match to the money they got. So it came as quickly as it got and they got in debt. So 87% of people who got that winning lottery Powerball number five years later have more debt than before they win the lottery. You're, you're a vibrational match to what you want to create in this world. And if you want to create financial freedom, if you want to wake up, whatever you want to wake up, do what you want to do, set your times and live that vibrational frequency, then you have to want it for everybody, not just yourself. Yeah. I have a client. I'll give you an example here. She was a realtor and she had never sold a house. She's like, I have 21 clients. I can't get a house sold, yada, yada, yada. So we dig deep. She had worked at a Fortune 500 company. She was making uh, about $260,000 a year and was fired. It never broke, like it broke her so much that her husband had a, has a, was a doctor and they, he could carry everything. But when you have two people making significant income, you have significant bills. So, you know, you're not living a $275,000 life. You're living a $1 million life, making half a million over a year. So you're not really ahead ever. And of course the kids in private school and yada, yada. So I said to her, I said, okay, my love, you believe that everybody sees you, whether you believe it or not as a loser, because you were fired from a job you were never supposed to have. Yeah. So you're talking about, you signed up this person, you signed up this person and nobody's moving and nobody's closing, but all of the conversations are about you. You want to sell it. You want to get the listing. You want to make the commission. This is the biggest investment this family is probably ever going to make in their lives. And all you're connected to is what you're going to get. Yeah. Why don't you start telling the story of how these people couldn't get, you know, qualified and you jumped through all the hoops and you made everything happen. And now that their their child and they're they're going to the right school district and they're going to get the right teachers and they're going to have the right opportunities and they're going to make the right friends. And you're a part of this history and the biggest investment in their lives and put your heart and soul into the family, making some, you know, little arepas ahí on the, on the counter and making some little eggs and making Girl Scout cookies and all the things that they're going to do as a family, as opposed to your fucking commission. Yeah. She, good point. right. So she started doing shadow work. She started, we were doing a six week, I do a six weeks program and a, and a 90 day program for coaching. And the reason I don't do longer is because your mind starts to become attached to that. I'm the answer. And psychologically it's disservice to somebody to coach with them longer than four months. So yes, I have to have a lot of turnover, but ethically, I don't care. So she does the six weeks program and, um, 
she ends up taking my live course and the second day of the live course, she, she, she gets her first sale. And she said, Michelle, I wrote letters in my, in, in my journal to all the families. Like you're going to find your favorite teacher. You're going to find your, they're going to find their best friend. They're going to get their bike path. You know, all these beautiful things about being in that home. And wouldn't you know it? I, I hadn't sold a house an entire year in a year where everybody's buying houses. And she sells her first house when we're going into a recession. And I said, honey, the recession is only important for the people who live a vibrational universe of lack. Have you ever seen where people make billions of dollars in every economy? It's because they don't believe it. Now, there's a very famous quote by J.P. Morgan. Millionaires don't listen to astrology. Billionaires do why yeah because they know that we are in a we have 156 billion with a b galaxies like ours so we all of these galaxies and all of these planets are in collaboration with the magnetic poles of this universe this is a vibrational mathematical universe and once you start to lock yourself into everything's fine you don't get swept up and caught up in fear, doubt, shame, lack, recession, whatever. And people can say, well, that's easy to say. No, it's not. I still have to make sales. I still have to make payments. I, I don't have a, a magic. Who's going to pay my bills? I'm not married. I don't, I'm not seeing anybody. By the way, I'm single. Okay. So anybody watching, <laughs> you have a nice uncle or a nice brother. Michelle's the girl. <laughs> but whoever is in the reality where like you said in the matrix do you want to take the red pill and go back to the way everything was or do you want to take the blue pill and see what's coming take the blue pill now buddha one of my favorite quotes from buddha is suffering suffering is living in a moment that has already passed or worrying about a moment that has yet to occur but when you stay exactly where you are everything's fine. And, and so I had somebody one time say, Michelle, I've never manifested anything. I live in my parents' house. Um, I have a college degree. I just left teaching. I can't make any money. And I said, did you pay for everything in your room? She's like, yeah. I said, get a pen and paper out and write every single thing that you manifested down with a dollar amount. And let's see how much that totals to. Well, it totaled to $7,500. And I said, so you've manifested $7,500 in your short time. Who's to say you can't manifest 75,000 or 700,000 or 7 million, 7 million. This is just a a mind game that you're playing against you and you. So whatever you believe, you will really receive that. So if you believe the economy is going to suck and we got it and money is scarce and no one's going to sign up and we have to buckle down, then you're right. That's exactly the universe that you're going to be creating in. You know, believe it to achieve it is a very common saying that in the entrepreneurial community gets thrown around. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> as you were talking about this, you know, um, uh, speaking of vibrations and you were talking about what billionaires believe you're just speaking from personal experience, I think just because the way my life has panned out and the experiences that I've had and 
you know, being divorced once, married for a second time, um, you know, being bankrupt, being bullied, you know, all through high school and struggling with self-confidence and self-esteem for a long time and all of this. I in very much like probably many people believe that we we're we're all meant for something. You know, we're all meant for we were put God put us on this earth with a purpose. And I think maybe the the trillion dollar question I should say is what is your purpose on this earth? Because that's what people spend the rest of their life trying to figure out, right? Most people cave in and say, all right, I was meant to work a nine to five. I was meant to go to college. I was meant to be broke after my salary just because everybody else is broke. I was meant to be married and have kids and maybe tuck some money away. And before I know it, I wake up at 75 and I'm fucking bored. And by that time, I know tick tock, tick tock, tick tock. My time is almost up. And. So two years ago, we had a death in the family. It was on my wife's side, and uh, it was her grandfather who was, you know, a big, big, big key component to the family. And I mean, he was really the glue to the family on her side. And I just kind of look, I mean, I'm a veteran. He worked 40 years on the railroad, you know, um, you know, uh, just an amazing guy. You know, this was the guy that would cut the turkey and let everybody else eat the turkey at Thanksgiving first before he got a piece you know, just that humbling. And after he passed away, you know, I'm 43 years old and and I sort of had this epiphany. I was like, fuck, is this going to be me at 77 years old? Right. Like, who knows? I mean, I could fucking die tomorrow. I could get hit by a bus or, you know, run over by a car or get into an accident. Yeah, I don't know. You know, and so I got to thinking what you were saying and hence why I got so gravitated towards you and having you on the show and the podcast to share your story is because there's a very small percentage of people who believe in manifestation, you know, because they haven't done it. Nobody else has done it. So it's kind of like, well, if others haven't really done it, you're surrounded around with people who don't believe in manifestation, then you're going to believe that. Right. It, it, it's kind of like, uh, there's a saying goes, you're the average of the five people you surround yourself with. Well, guess what? If you're surrounded with people who work nine to five and they just do the norm, that's exactly what you're going to believe. It's exactly what you're going to believe. But if you start surrounding yourself with millionaires, billionaires, people like you who have manifested, you know, the life that you only dreamed of, suddenly you realize, hmm, maybe there is a different way. I just need different people in my life. And then you suddenly find out that 99% of the people that you had in your life are not the people you were meant to be around. And well, that's you were meant to be around them at that time mm -hmm. because you were a vibrational match to them, meaning they had doubt, they had fear, you have doubt, yeah. you have fear. So you guys are an equal match. And as you start to elevate your energy and you start to see like, Hey, if I want magical things to appear into my reality, I have to become a little bit magical. Right. Yeah. And you know, Einstein had a quote saying, that the true definition of intelligence is somebody who is open to everything and attached to nothing. And I studied all these different types of people during my spiritual awakening, because I was yep. so convinced that if I didn't hustle, I didn't push, I didn't network. I wasn't making 40 fucking cold calls a day. I was never going to be a success. I had grown up in that old school mentality. 
So for me, manifesting was a joke. I was like, I remember I was young and I don't remember which business I had, but Oprah, who I would one day interview and meet, had um, the chick on that wrote The Secret. Now, the okay. Okay. So the secret and the law of attraction is manifesting. And so the secret became a worldwide phenomenon. Um, I think there was like 260 billion copies sold at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, more now. And this lady comes on TV and says, you know, if you set your intention, you can just bring things into your reality. And I never turned off the Oprah show in my whole life. And I turned it off. I was so angry. I started making fun of it. I said, oh yeah, you just whisper out loud, bring me a Bentley. And then you wake up and there's a Bentley in the front yard. Like this sounds like absolute lunacy to me. Um, And I'm a very analytical person. So to me, this was like the biggest bunch of malarkey that ever crossed the, the TV screen. And the fact is, is that manifesting has been around since everything. And in the Bible, if you believe in Christian, Christian Judeo principles, there's 250 different verses about manifesting. Even one is like with the, with the intention of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain, right? Very famous Bible verse. Yeah. Every religion, they talk about speaking it into your religion in Arabic. Abracadabra means to manifest, to create something into the reality. So in every aspect, in every walk of life, in every um, government system, since the beginning of time, everybody has been manifesting. They just didn't know what to call it. And the manifesting is the art of bringing something from your thought to a reality. What is an entrepreneur? An entrepreneur is saying, I have an idea and I'm going to bring it to the reality. They're powerful manifestors. That's all they're doing. And so people caught up in the woo woo idea of manifesting and they miss the big show. They miss the easy access. They miss the, let me walk in this light energy. And trust me, when I first found out about it, I was the biggest cynic and critic because I was such a hard worker and that I could just like fold my fingers and move my head and like all of a sudden this genie is going to appear. Well, the genie always was there. Some people call it God. Some people call it angels. It's called higher self. Yeah. And your future self is consistently telling you when you're off your course, why you're depressed. You're not a vibrational match to your happiness. You're in the wrong situation. You're in the wrong marriage. You're in the wrong job. You're in the wrong state. You're in the wrong situation. So all of a sudden, vibrationally, everywhere you go, it feels like everything sucks. Everything costs too much money. How could blueberries be 17 fucking dollars a container now, right? Like, what is this madness everywhere I go? Instead, let's say $17 blueberries happen. You you live in a, a different vibrational universe. You get to the universe and- the grocery store has a buy one, get two free and your blueberries just turn back into $4. So, you know, not, not to interject, but one of the things that you were talking about that I want to latch upon is since we talked about entrepreneurship, I think this, there's this very common misconception in the entrepreneurial world 
where there's a materialistic perception of entrepreneurship, meaning that, I mean, let's face it. I mean, we, you go online, you look at Ty Lopez, Grant Cardone, Tony Robbins, you look at all these guys and they're like fancy cars, big houses, blah, 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 all this. And that's, that's how most people look at entrepreneurship. They look at the materialistic things as opposed to, like you said, entrepreneurship is bring an idea into the universe, right? So the idea is like, for me, is like, I want to help as many people get to what they want. That's basically the human centricity component of business that I call basically, because this is coming from over a decade in the agency world and seeing an impersonal approach okay. where it was like, all right, our quota, we got to sell. Let's get at least 90 days of checks, get paid. You know what? If the client bolts, as opposed to why not fucking build a relationship that's going to last a lifetime? Why, a why not campaign. really connect? Right. Build a great campaign and let them flourish. And then they're never going to exactly. leave. You need to rotate exactly. 90 day contracts. You know, I, exactly. I agree more. And, you know, the other thing about it is like, let's just look at a Grant Cardone. Yeah, he was yeah. renting and uh, renting everything. Everything was fake, right? He lost all of his money. He lost his apartment. Um, he lost his penthouse, and now he's doing like um, you know, like uh, ads and 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 spokesmanship for anybody who will pay him because he still has that clout and that name. What you're yeah. looking at is not necessarily what's actually happening. Yep. So. Just because somebody's portraying that they can hire Kevin Hart to come and speak at their event doesn't mean that they didn't put their last four dollars together to pay for the auditorium and to pay for Mr. Hart and to pay for all these things because they they need that supply chain and so they need you to buy twenty five more seats or triple X conference in your series and your you know whatever. So I had a friend who actually worked for them. Yeah. And in the scenes she told me all of it and i can't ex expose any more than i said today but one of her paychecks barely got cashed and they had just had the kevin hart incident like the kevin hart just spoke at his at their their big event and she was like michelle i they literally told me to wait and cash my check on tuesday so it's what you see online is you convincing yourself that you're a fucking loser. That's all that is for. Stop following people you'll never meet and that don't give a fuck about you. Start yeah. following people who have struggled and made it, didn't have any connections, didn't have any names, or then if you can't find that, just follow dogs or cats or animals or children laughing or dance video. Yeah. Don't go online and reaffirm every time you click that button and your thumb makes an action, what a fucking loser you are. Because vibrationally, you're like, I can never be as pretty as her. I can't have all these sales in this business. No, 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 no. You will attract the people into your reality that you are a vibrational match to. So if you want more sales, you can't think I want more money. You have to think, how do I serve people more authentically? Yeah. What, what is it that they would be looking for that I'm really good at that might solve X for them? 
And when you start to dive into that relationship, the universe is going to, just like the girl at the restaurant, probably driving in her car, hoping it makes it one more shift was like, Lord, please let me make $50 on this shift so I can pay for this busted tire. And the universe sent me instead because she's probably really good. She's had a lot of situations that make her lose her faith in society. And listen, if you've ever Mm -hmm. had your old coins and sleep on an air mattress to decide whether you can pay your electricity or pay your water, which I have done several times, you understand what poverty feels like. And you well, also been there and done that. Okay. You know, I've had, interestingly enough, you're talking about all these things. And um, I've even had in recency some of those things that have happened, Michelle. And, um, you know, it's back to what you were saying earlier is that if you believe the things that happen in life, because let's face it, life is not all fucking unicorns and rainbows. It's far from it, you know? And when you have these things that happen to you, you know, like five years ago when I was having my bankruptcy, I literally was going like this. Ivan, what the fuck did you do wrong? That's literally how I felt at that moment. It was on the cusp of, I think we were just a couple months away from my son being born. It's going to be seven here in a, in a week. And so I literally was thinking to myself, Ivan, you're a fuck up. What did you do to get here? Instead of, like you said, you know, it happened, but now focus on what you're going to do to keep leaping forward and not be here again. And let's face it. There's so many things that we can't control, but there's a lot that we can control too. You know, like an act of God. You know, maybe not control, but allow. Mm-hmm. I'm going to allow wealth into my life. I'm yeah. going to allow prosperity into my life. I'm going to allow love. I'm going to allow security. It's safe for me to be successful. Yeah. These are things that we don't hear as entrepreneurs. What we hear is grind, hustle, push. You know, if you're not at the crack, if you're not up at 5 a.m. when everybody's sleeping, you know, I've read the 5 a.m. club. I've read everything. Okay. In fact, Ivan, yeah. I read about 50 books a year. Oh, wow. I'm on book 14 this year. So when I tell you that I dive all the way deep because I don't want to be caught off guard, that was a, 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 a reaction of being caught off guard, right? So I was like, well, I'm never going to be in a situation where I don't know everything again and look like a fool or be in bankruptcy or lose all my money or whatever it was. So when we start to understand that if we just sit where we are right now, did we wake up today? Yep. Is there food in that pantry? Couple of things. Anything in the fridge? Couple of things. Couple of bucks in the gas tank? Yeah. Well, you're living better than a lot of people. We're living better than a lot of people. Yeah. And I used to, in, when I, I moved here to St. Pete, the island of St. Pete, Florida, um, in 2021. And when I lived in Dallas, I volunteered at a homeless shelter doing coaching and helping get people get back on their feet and helping them recenter themselves. And this is just, you know, volunteering. Yeah. The one thing that I would hear over and over again was they would just tell the story of their victories. You know, you should have seen me, Michelle. I had a suit. I worked in an office. I had all this stuff. And then this happened and this happened and this happened. Yeah. And I became an alcoholic. Well, yeah, because 
you were so out of alignment and where you were was not where you're supposed to be. You had to numb everything. And that numbing could be overspending, oversexing, overdrinking, drugs, shopping. You get to where you're trying to find an outlet instead of looking for the answers because healing is an inside job. And one of the things that I would tell them is a statistic that is so shocking and that it hasn't changed. Less than 3% of the American population make a goal. Less than three. Yeah. <clears throat> well, if you don't have, if you put gas in the car, you're going to get somewhere, right? You're going to start the key, you're going to get the engine, you can get out the door, you're going to make it 20 miles, 80 miles, 60 miles, wherever. But until you put the GPS into the ways or the car or whatever, you're just driving around aimlessly. So if you're an entrepreneur who hasn't created the future that they want, and you're still living in the, the history of no one's buying anything and it's not moving, and then you start saying the economy, well, of course, that lower vibration of fear and doubt and insecurity it's going to be the highest vibration in your reality. So now you're talking to that all the time instead of speaking to your future. So when those things start to come up and start to choke you and start, you start to feel like you're going to die if you do not go back to work and work for somebody else and it's not going to happen, I want you to examine where you learn this and then tell yourself a new story. Start with, this is today, and in this day, I've done everything I can, and I'm going to just let go of this day. This day was not the best day for me to anchor in being an entrepreneur. But tomorrow morning, I'm going to wake up, and when I wake up, I'm going to listen to something high vibrational, whether it's a frequency, a Sophio frequency, the God frequency is 174. Sun, if you live in cold weather, 126.6. Go on your treadmill, go in your living room, do jumping jacks, listen to that high frequency music because in our brain, we have this reticular activation system or the RAS. And the RAS is computing millions and millions of data points all day long, but its most important moments are the first three minutes of your day. So the if you remember the dial-up, if you're too young to remember dial-up, that's okay. But when the internet first came out, we would have to call the internet and it would go pew, pew, wah, pew, pew, wah. Dial up. Remember that. Okay. So your iOS system is going like this and it's going. That three minutes it's saying like, is there a connection? Is there a connection? You have that three minute grace period every single morning for the RAS, the reticular activation system in your brain to get a new program. And yeah. if not three minutes, you say, everything's working out just fine. My clients are here. The money is here. The feeling is here. The vibration is here. And you start to feed into yourself the future. So let's say you wanted to, your goal is to take your family to Disney for a family vacation, never done this. We want to see the mouse. We're going to go to the hotel. We're going to have the $25 mouse drinks. We're going to go all the way in. We're going to get the fast passes. But for a family of four for three days, that's like a 5K investment. And you can barely pay your bills, right? You're just, you're cracking through. Yep. Well, 
you're like this. So every day the universe is like, who's showing up? Disney or departure? And so in that reticular activation system, you're going to feed into yourself at least 10 things that you're focusing in on. We're going to go to Disney. I'm buying, you just visualize, all of us have the Mickey hats on. We just checked into the hotel for that 10 minutes. You're just talking about Disney and how Disney is going to come. And oh, and my daughter's going to love that she gets to have the breakfast with Cinderella. And then we're going to go do this. And then we're going to go take the tram. And then we're, we're in Orlando or we're in Epcot or wherever we are, we're in California. And we're going to go to the beach and we're going to go have this wonderful dinner. And my kids, my children are going to look and around and feel like this is the best family ever. Look at all the things that my family does. And they're going to believe that Mickey is always a possibility because mom or dad knows how to dream big. Or they get the parent that says, you better go to school and learn something because it's hard out here. And you better get a fucking education. You better do this and you better do this. And life yeah. is hard and everything sucks. Well, then you're creating more of the same of what you're fighting yourself. You know, um, th there's so much irony in what you just said about the Disney story, because that's actually something I want to do for my kids. You know, well, it's kind of like psychic. I'll just be honest with you. What's that? I am psychic. So I'll just be honest. I'm sure I picked up Disney, but never. I don't know anything. I don't know. You said seven, but yeah. I don't know the ages of your children. I don't know your family vacation. But when we were talking, all of a sudden, this Mickey Mouse just starts appearing in my head. So I said, Disney. Um, yeah. it's you, it's your higher self talking to me because I'm a clear channel because you don't meditate. And if you meditated, you would hear this. Yep. Okay? Yeah. It's, um, you're, you're absolutely right. And the reason why I wanted and to, I don't know if you meditate, but I know you don't meditate. I don't, uh, you're right. I don't, I, it's something that I know I need to do and, but it's something I could never get into, you know, and that's probably just the problem is, is what am I not doing that I should be doing? you know, that's going to help me get to that next level that I want to get to. And when you were talking about um, Disney also, because it is one of the things I want to do with my kids, it's kind of a trip of a lifetime. I went to Disney when I was 16 with my parents. And I remember it's just one of those memorable experiences, right, that you do. But as you were talking about uh, being in, like in the wrong marriage and all this and kids and you know, the vibrational space that you need to be in. I was thinking about, you know, the three things that I see as, you know, if you want to live a prosperous life, then it's health, wealth, and happiness. Well, I'm getting the health, but that's because I've worked at getting to a whole new level that I've never been. Wealth, I have a part of the wealth, which is I'm blessed with a family. I'm blessed with two kids, which uh, there's a whole story behind that you know, that, you know, seven, eight years ago, I didn't even know if I was going to be a father just seems so, such a distant thing that and it happened. And then happiness is I am happy, but I know I can be happier. I know it can be wealthier and I want to be wealthier and I want to be happier, but finding, which has been one of the biggest struggles for me personally, I think a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs that are probably going to be listening and watching this episode is how do I get lots of health? lots of wealth, and lots of happiness. How do I get maximum overload of all of these three things to where it's like, I'm in the best shape. I got the six pack. I can do the triathlons. 
I'm wealthy. I got a beautiful family. I got a big house. I got an expensive car. I can go on vacation for three months and say, fuck it and spend 50 G's on, on an entire vacation or whatever. And then I'm happy. Like I'm generally happy. I'm happy with my marriage, with my kids. I'm happy in the life that I'm in. And I think that's just it is that the reason most people never reach that I know I haven't is because we haven't positioned ourselves to accomplish that because we haven't, like you said, we believe, you know, if you have negative people in your life, negativity becomes the constant. That's what you believe in, right? Because you accept fear, you accept uh, insecurities, uh, you accept all these things and I'm one of those people that are like, nah, that's not true. I don't want to believe that. That's not real. I'm over here. This is what I really believe in. I believe I can have the ultimate health. I believe I can have the ultimate wealth. I believe I can have the ultimate happiness. But how do you get there? And I think that's, again, as we talked about earlier, most people, most entrepreneurs, you know, strive for that for a lifetime because you know, they do certain things, certain things work, some things don't work, you know, but being in the constant pursuit is really the ultimate challenge. Like being able to show up every day and strive for those three things in order to accomplish those three things. And even then, like you said, let's say hypothetically, one day I win the lottery. Well, do I become the 87% of that statistic you mentioned earlier? I don't want to become that. Cause I've seen way too many fucking shows that, Hey, I won the lottery. I had this lavish life and guess what? Five years later, I'm actually more broke financially than I ever was. Yeah. And it's like, because I think from a DNA perspective, I don't have that. I'm one of those people that just speaking personally, probably a lot of people are going to watch and listen to this episode that probably share a similar DNA to where greed is not a part of it. It never was because I came from such humble beginnings. I mean, I lived in a communist country. I couldn't celebrate holidays until I was nine years old. My father had $400 in his pocket 30 years ago when he immigrated here. And now he made something out of that. So greed was never a part of it. And I don't think it ever will be because it's just not how I am built. But not to say that it's kind of like, You've got the boss on one shoulder and then you got the devil on the other shoulder. Well, the devil is the best negotiator there. And the devil knows how to talk to you. But the boss is telling you that higher power that you talked about is you can do all these things. You just got to go after them. You got to position yourself mentally, spiritually, you know, to be able to achieve those things. Because if you don't, you'll never achieve them. Devil's going, nah, don't go to the gym. Don't eat right. You know, don't connect with people. And he's so good at telling you all that, right? And, and you're like, yeah, sure. I'll skip the gym today. I'll skip the gym day tomorrow. I'll make up for it later. Before you know it, it's a week later. And now you just missed out on all these days. Your sleep is fucked up. You didn't get up on time. You didn't do the things that you were supposed to do as part of your routine. It just becomes a chain effect. And I think that's most entrepreneurs specifically that they start out maybe very vigorous about their mission and their purpose and then they just plateau. So one of the things that I think would really be beneficial for people who are perhaps looking at the grass is greener mentality, like, 
Yeah. It's going to be so much better when I have $250,000 in the bank. No, it's not. Because you're living in a reality where you're not worthy of the 250 right now. So you're saying the future, the future, you know, in the future, when everything goes well, and I have $250,000 in the bank, then I'm going to be doing fine. Well, then you're always saying to yourself, I'm not worthy right now. Yeah. So what I would suggest is taking ownership and stock of the good things in your life right now. Honestly, if I didn't live in this house, my next goal is to get one of those vans and like a bus and convert it and travel around the country with me and my dogs and do my podcast and go to different beaches. I don't care about, this is a nice house. I love it. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Everybody wants to come and vacation here, but it's Mm going to have a season where it's done and I'm not going to want to be here anymore. So if I'm now homeless living in a van, are you in in a bus? Are you less impressed by me? So, yeah, right. Right? Yeah. I I want you to question why you feel that a big stockpile of money makes you a better version of yourself. It does not. This is the illusion. Instead, why wouldn't you concentrate on no matter what happens, we're going to Disney before my seven-year-old turns nine. And all you do is follow Disney on Instagram and you put it on your Google alerts. What's going to happen? And I'm going to predict it right now. If you do with this, what I say, and you write a letter in your energetic life, you sit down and you write about that vacation. We flew, we flew business. We didn't even fly. We flew in nice seats. We had a car service. We didn't go rent at Hertz. No, we had a car service, pick us up a Mickey car service, whatever they had. Cinderella driving the fucking minivan. And Mickey was in the back seat making margaritas for my wife. Whatever version of this is the most prolific version, we're going to write this out and write it out and say how much fun we had and what happened. And then you're going to read this over and over and over again. And the universe is going to facilitate this either in a commission or in a contest or in a person or, hey, we bought this whole trip for our family or to go. We can't go. It's five thousand. We're selling it for two thousand. Does anybody want to buy it? Everything's transferred. It's going to be somebody that you know through some connection because you're constantly talking about this vacation you're going to take, and you become a vibrational match to it. You didn't have to have two hundred fifty thousand dollars in the bank to be that dad. You had to vibrationally move your energy to where everything is possible, because your heart and your soul wants to do this. Because you already know as a 16-year-old what it did. Imagine as a nine-year-old, an eight-year-old, a young child seeing all of these things and that we did this. It will live in an an anchored memory just like yours forever. But people put these barriers. Yeah. I I didn't mean to abruptly interject, but um, maybe it's the, the, the psychic component that you were talking about. But we actually intentionally, me and my wife were actually waiting until my kids were old enough, but not too old to actually perceive. So my daughter's four, she'll be five this year, and my son will be seven uh, in a little over a week. And so we're talking, okay, it'd be great, maybe between when Hudson is seven to nine years old, you know, to go, because that's a prime age where they're so into Disney, they're so into characters, they understand it. My my daughter has God knows how many freaking uh, princess outfits that she loves. 
changing into. So it's kind of ironic that you were talking about it because we intentionally were actually wanting to wait to to make this trip happen in I shouldn't say perfect timing, but in a timing where it'll be a trip of a lifetime for them that, you know, like 20, 30 years from now, you know, when, when they have kids, hopefully, I hope I can be, you know, uh, have grandkids one day, you know, to look back and say, you know, when I was seven, eight, nine years old, mom and dad took us to Disney because it was just such a memorable experience. It's something that we wanted to do. It's something that many kids have done because it just creates such a lasting memory that uh, of a lifetime, right? Because he has been done for generations. Not to mention that that's what Walt Disney set out to do in the first place. Mm-hmm. And that's why Disney has that reputation, right? So it's ironic that you were you were talking about this because um, it, it it is one of those things that I don't want to say on the bucket list, but it is kind of on the bucket list, you oh. know, to do with the kids. And, um, you know, with that being said, uh, Michelle, like I, I know this conversation can go endlessly. And in yeah, fact, I want to I want to take it as a sidebar. But just to wrap up this episode real quick, um, if people want to connect with you and, and first, I want to thank you for just a massive amount of value that you dropped so important so powerful please share some website links social handles whatever phone numbers emails that people can connect with you you know i as a former publicist i learned one thing from nbc bravo disney corporation keep it simple stupid so my name is michelle j lamont and so is everything else my website my instagram my tiktok my linkedin my pinterest um, my, my now I even have clapper now in case TikTok gets banned. Um, everything is Michelle J Lamont and it's M I C H E L L E middle initial J L A M O N T. And closing on that, Walt Disney said magic only happens for those who seek it. So I think we'll end on that beautiful quote from Mr. Disney. Thank you, Michelle. My honor. Whether you on the outside of your market trying to tap back in Or just need a little help to find a way to gain some traction again You need some market reconnection We got the answers to your questions No second thoughts or second guessing You need some market reconnection Market reconnection Market reconnection